Well, we have done it. Congratulations. We have made it through Jeremiah. We are in our 21st and final week of our series. We've said over and over that we are a church that wants to follow Jesus into the world together. And so it would be possible to ask the question, why spend so much time going through the words in this book that were written hundreds of years before Jesus' birth? But our conviction was that, and I hope that you felt this way and have found that this was borne out as we've gone through the book, that as we worked our way through the words of Jeremiah, that what God had to say to God's people in exile then would also have something to say to us, God's people in exile now. And I have to say that even though this was our intention in deciding to take our time going through this book, I think I've even been surprised at just how many parallels to our situation trying to follow Jesus today there are in Jeremiah's words to those whom he is begging to follow Yahweh then. In these final chapters, we find God speaking through Jeremiah concerning almost literally the entire known world, from Egypt in the south to Moab to Edom and Ammon close at hand, to the Philistines and Syria in the north, even to nomadic tribes across the desert in the southeast and to other smaller kingdoms on the other side of Babylon and Persia. But then finally, in the longest section, chapters 50 and 51, to Babylon itself. And if you've sometimes found reading the book of Jeremiah to be a slog, well, these final chapters are the sloggiest. (laughs) This is some hard sledding sometimes. And at least in part, it's because of how repetitive and grim they are. It's almost like the, the inverse of the old cliche about Oprah of like, you get a car, you get a car, you get a car. This is, you get destruction, you get destruction, everybody gets destruction. But it's worth us considering, why are they there? Why is it that Jeremiah ends in this way? It's not like Jeremiah hopped on a caravan and took these prophecies off to the Bedouin tribes across the desert. These were written to be read by the exiles in Babylon, just as the rest of the book was. But why would the exiles care that the kingdoms of Elam or Kedar, whom none of them had ever seen or interacted with or cared about, why would they care that they were going to be destroyed? We've mentioned before that in the ancient world, when one nation conquered another, it was kind of assumed that this obviously meant that the gods of the one nation had also triumphed over the gods of the other. Most nations back then had their own deities, as many of you know, and those deities were not, as a general rule, understood to be universal. We are so used to thinking about one god who is god of the whole universe that this is a little hard to wrap our minds around sometimes, but most ancient deities were understood to be regional. They were powerful in and over the territory in which they were worshipped, and nowhere else. The gods of Egypt had no power in Babylon, unless, of course, the armies of Egypt were to conquer Babylon and therefore expand not only their own physical territory, but also the territory of their gods. So, in that worldview, when your nation has been conquered and you have been exiled, like Judah, the fundamental assumption would have been that your gods, or God in the case of Judah, were no longer relevant. They were no longer even present in any real sense. It would have been seen as pointless to go on devoting yourself to the old gods because they had been exposed as powerless. Life in exile meant life cut off from your gods. For the people of Judah, life in exile would have meant being cut off from Yahweh. As they looked around at their day-to-day life living in Babylon, they would have thought, Yahweh has nothing to do with this here. Trusting Yahweh was all well and good back in Jerusalem, but what would that even mean now here in Babylon? We might not have the same worldview today, but I actually think we know exactly what this is like. I worship God in church on the weekends, 
maybe do some Bible reading or devotional activity or prayer during different parts of my day. But when I walk into the office or the classroom, the restaurant, when I'm spending time with family or friends, when I'm going about my actual day, it's not always apparent what God has to do with those other parts of my life. God sometimes feels about as far off and irrelevant as Yahweh would have for the people in exile. And I think that shared reality is why the book of Jeremiah ends the way it does, with six full chapters affirming that, yes, Yahweh is still the God of the whole earth. Despite appearances, despite living in exile, despite day-to-day life seeming to belong to some sort of separate category from following God, Yahweh is God always, everywhere, in every realm. God over Egypt, Babylon, and everywhere in between. Jeremiah's prophecies here are directed at the different nations around Israel. They are physically oriented. But I think we might best think about this in terms of different sorts of realms, so to speak. God is not just the God of church. God is God over business, over education, over family, over politics, over our leisure time, over the internet. God is the God over the whole earth in that sense, too. The themes that come through in these chapters of Jeremiah will not surprise any of you who have been on this journey through Jeremiah with us. God condemns the arrogance of the nations, their idolatry, their injustice, and this repetition is intentional. One of Jeremiah's core points here is Yahweh is consistent. God expects the same things and has the same reactions to all the nations. And what is it that God expects of each and every nation? That they would put their trust in Yahweh. It's the theme we started this book with. It's the theme that we have traced through the whole five months that we've been at this. It's the theme that we end with here. Yahweh is the one and only place worthy of our trust. Where do we look for security and safety, for provision and protection? How do we answer the question, whatever happens, it'll be okay because what? In the midst of these chapters, which contains so much repetition, Jeremiah systematically undermines the ways these different nations would have answered that question. It seems like he is saying more or less the same thing over and over and over again. But when you look at the nuances, he's actually saying something a little bit deeper. First of all, he is wanting to directly proclaim the impotence of the false gods. So let me run through a few quick examples. In the word to Egypt, in chapter 46, verse 25 says, Yahweh armies, Israel's God has said, Here I am dealing with Ammon of Thebes, who was the Egyptian sun god. In the word to Moab, in chapter 48, verse 7, the Moabite god Kamash will go out into exile. In the word to Ammon, in chapter 49, verse 3, the Ammonite god Malcom is to go out into exile. The word to Babylon ends with a mention of the god Bel in chapter 51, 44. I shall deal with Bel in Babylon and make what he swallowed come out of his mouth. So that's the first thing that Jeremiah wants to do, to specifically call out some of the gods of the surrounding nations who seem powerful but are not. And then the second thing, the one I think is even more interesting in these chapters, is the way that the things each nation values the most, the things they put their trust in, are also called out. So let me run through a few examples of that as well. The defining feature of Egypt, the source of its power, security, and prosperity, the Nile River. In chapter 46, Egypt is seen rising like the Nile, thinking that it can flood out over the whole earth, but is instead defeated and sent home in shame. 
The Philistines and Phoenicians, who are largely coastal seafaring people, are addressed in chapter 47. These are people who trust in their mastery over water, being able to escape and support themselves on the sea. In fact, the Phoenician city of Tyre withstood a siege by Babylon for 13 years before finally falling because they could resupply themselves over the Mediterranean. And so in chapter 47, verse 2, Yahweh has said this, There, waters are rising from the north, and they'll become a raging torrent. They'll flood your country and what fills it, the city and the people who live in it. Edom was a land that boasted of its wisdom. And in chapter 49, verse 7, it says, Regarding Edom, Yahweh armies has said this, Is there no longer any wisdom in Taman, an Edomite city? Has planning perished from the discerning? Has their wisdom gone stale? Later in chapter 49, God will break the bow of Elam, a land known for their archers. And then finally, Babylon, once again, who trusts in their military might and wealth, Over and over in chapters 50 and 51, it is a picture of a comprehensive military defeat. Babylon trusts in their cosmopolitan cities filled with bustling trade and people. But those cities, says chapter 51, verse 43, have become a devastation. It's country, desert, and steppe, a country where no one lives. For each nation, their pride, their trust is shown to be empty just like we saw in chapters 1 through 45 about the land of Judah. And I wanted to look at a few of these details because when we do so, the point of all this repetition comes into focus a bit. The message here is the same that Jeremiah has been hammering home to Judah throughout the book, trusting in things other than Yahweh, whether gods like Molech, Bel, Kamash, Asherah, or your wisdom, your military might, natural resources, they all will show up empty in the end. As he has said before, they will be like a puff of wind. For Jeremiah, this is the message. Trust in Yahweh, not in emptiness. It's a message that extends throughout the known world. It applies as much to Egypt and Elam as it does to Judah. It extends even into exile. It extends to us. And taking our cues from Jeremiah a bit, because if it was good enough for him, it's good enough for us, right? We are going to circle back to that question we asked uh, several weeks ago now, which I referenced earlier. Whatever happens, it'll be okay because what? Where do we trust for our security, our well-being, our life? And not just what do we believe to be true when we walk into church or log into Zoom church or whatever it might be. Where do we trust? Because exile tells us all sorts of things about who or what to trust. That is not God. You can just look at the ads that are fed to us all day, every day on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and podcasts. They'll tell you where to trust. It'll all be okay if you vote this way or build a brand that people follow or have enough home equity or retirement savings that nothing bad could happen or have happy, smiling, well-behaved, healthy kids or get good grades, which will lead to good job offers. Or if we rely on your hard work and talent, And Jeremiah says, those things are lies. They were lies in Judah. They're lies in Babylon. They're lies in Los Angeles. If you put your trust there, when push comes to shove, they will puff away like a breath of wind. Trust in Yahweh, Jeremiah says. It's not too late, even in exile, because as those prophecies of destruction also say over and over, almost like a refrain, Almost all the prophecies about destruction of these surrounding nations end the same way. The message after the tearing down is, 
God will then raise them up, just like God's message to Judah. God will restore their fortunes because God is a God of restoration, of second chances, of new life. God is the source of life for Judah and for all the nations around Judah, for Babylon, for us. But it sure is hard to see in exile. It looks like Babylon has won, that Yahweh doesn't have any relevance, any power anymore. We might know what is true about God, but it doesn't always seem true. When the realities of our daily life are what seem most real, most pressing. When the anxieties and fears that come with our work, our family, our finances, our school are the most real, most pressing things we see. We forget that life is found in Yahweh and only there. That whatever happens with our work, our family, our finances, our school, we will be okay because Yahweh is the Lord of the whole earth. Because Jesus offers us life. And no amount of pain or poverty or failure can take that life away from us. In fact, as the book of Jeremiah, and really the rest of the Bible too, reminds us, sometimes it is in pain or poverty or failure that true life is to be found. Because God raises up the lowly makes the last to be first, and out of death brings life. Yahweh can be trusted in the promised land and also in exile. And may we be a community that remembers that. May we be a community in which life is found because we trust in a God who gives life to those who trust in Jesus. When we were together on Sunday, After our sermon, we had a time of response in which we considered what we do when the things we know to be true about God just don't seem true, like they would have for the people in exile whom Jeremiah was writing to in these chapters. We've talked before about some practices that could be helpful in this, things like memorizing scripture so it's always there. But this week, we looked at a different practice, and that was worship, specifically with music. Sometimes music puts into words and puts into emotion realities that we need to have sink into our hearts. Sometimes it's through songs, through music, through worship that can remind us of who God is and why we trust in God in the first place. And so we did some of that together this weekend. I would encourage you to try that as well, that when you are in a position in which you know something to be true about God, but it isn't really feeling that way, maybe find a song or two that speaks to that reality and put it on repeat just for a little while. Thanks for joining us in this stroll through the book of Jeremiah. I hope you found it as interesting as we did and as fruitful as well. As I said earlier, we close out in the same way and with the same truth that we began with. God can be trusted, even in exile, because God is the source of life. See you next time.